Yeah, but why does Carter know that every time it rings? Because he'll say, like, oh, I didn't know it was your birthday. Like, from the ringtone. But the ringtone is, it's your birthday. <laughs> but if my if my ringtone said, like, have a holly jolly Christmas, you're going to be like, I didn't know it was Christmas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 544 with a review of Happy Death Day to You. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we had three reviews for you. Um, we're on the second one now. The first review was Alita Battle Angel. This is our review of Happy Death Day to You. And then afterwards, we're going to have a tie-in review of... Uh, Russian doll, so get excited for that. Um, so here we are. Happy Death Day to You is the sequel to a little film called Happy Death Day. Um, back when that film came out, uh, you did not see that film. Nope, I was too scared. Um, <laughs> <shit>. um, <laughs> uh, but so obviously the new one was coming out. I was extremely excited to see the new one because um, I sure. was a huge fan of the last one. And uh, you obviously had to do your homework. You went and you rented Happy Death Day. Um, so I think people on this podcast probably want to know what it is you thought of Happy Death Day, Stephen. Yeah. So I, I saw Happy Death Day maybe like six nights ago now, five nights ago. Um, I thought it was great. I mean, it was I, one I night it. ago, but it's been six nights of you dying yeah, exactly. and having to go back and watch it again. Yep. Uh, I, I thought it was great. I, I liked it. I had that. I, well, we're going to get into this in the sequel as well, but it it reminded me a lot of what endeared me to Project Almanac, which was a movie that I think we all on the podcast liked way more than critics generally liked, <laughs> yep. um, where it's the idea of can we take a time travel conceit in a world where people know about time travel tropes already and just use it to fuel a like YA as fuck movie, right? Yeah. And, like, Happy Death Day, it, it was very silly. Like, it never took itself too seriously. The the baby face was, like, you know, scare, creepy enough to be entertaining to watch, but it was never, like, that disturbing. And so, so if you were walking home tonight, or you got on the bus after we're done recording, and there was a guy wearing that baby mask, would you poop yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, let's see. We ate the ramen, like, two hours ago. <laughs> Uh, it, no, it, it would scare me for sure, um, <laughs> but that isn't that hard to do. Uh, right, like literally, enough. us thinking about the trailer for us like <laughs> scared me more a few minutes ago than that. Um, but but I don't know. It was fun and good natured, and I feel like Jessica Roth as Tree is like a a good lead where she veers into the silliness of it, and like it it's campy enough where like she, she is phenomenal. Yeah, like she's no, amazing. She's, she like anchors the whole movie. She is the reason to watch the movie. Yeah, like um, the the work she's putting into this film. Like she like Tree probably read the script and was like, "All right, I could do this," mm -hmm. but like put in so much work yeah. to really sell the bizarre nature of what she's going through and stuff in a way yeah. that like. I just it's, I find it impressive. I still find it impressive in this film. Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's she's she's awesome. Yeah, no, she she's great. And I thought like I had already we, we must have talked about spoilers to it before because I already knew the twist of that movie, but well, it didn't the, hurt the, it at all. The trailer for Happy yeah, Death Day to You has a spoiler for the first film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was playful and fun, and the the tie-ins it has with like 
the death of her mom and stuff. I thought those emotional beats worked fine. You know, it, it got what it needed to do, which was be 70% funny, 20% serious, and 10% just like a time travel adventure movie. Yeah, um, yeah I, th- I thought it pulled it off well. It was it was a nice, like, tight film. I feel like it was 90 minutes or something. Like, it was just in and out. Um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty short. Yeah, and I, I liked it. It was a great rental. I was totally into it. And I was excited to watch this one more than Alita <laughs> because, of, <laughs> because of having watched that uh, original. Yeah, I think Happy Death Day, the original one, was was really one of those things where, like, when you saw the trailer, you're like, this is not a real movie. Mm. <laughs> and I kind of saw it as almost an experiment where I was like, I just want to see what this turns out to be. Because clearly, like, it, it was one of the first times that honestly I went. It's one thing to see a film that you're excited for and be like, well, it was dumb fun. I had a good time with it. Um, <clears throat> Alita. Uh, but, <laughs> but to really go into a film expecting it to be dumb and kind of just being surprised by how much actual genuine effort it put in to realizing its plot was just so surprising and I think made that film a really, really great adventure. Yeah, well, and, and I also want to say, because we're going to talk about this with Russian Doll too, but this There's movie... a sequel to Russian Doll? <laughs> ha. Uh, <laughs> they're definitely making a second season of it now. Um, but but this movie, like Groundhog Day, like veered into the let's have our character be initially unlikable. And like I, I think, again, Tree pulls that off really, really well, where at the start of the movie, she's like pretty shitty to a lot of people right and like they like they have fun with letting her go from the classic college movie sorority brat into being like a likable lead and they flesh out more over time and she gets better and better and better and yeah I, i just thought it was it was sweet and silly and very 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 easy but in a way that was like i could watch that anytime yeah um yeah so uh we can find out the truth about whether or not you can watch it every time because we watched it again, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we saw Happy Death Day 2. As we mentioned um, a few short moments ago, the trailer for this film contains spoilers for Happy Death Day. Mm. So if you have not seen Happy Death Day, we're about to play the trailer audio for that film, which will spoil that film. So if you haven't seen it, pause this episode, go rent that. Did you, did you just rent that on iTunes? Yeah. Okay, so it's on iTunes, probably like five bucks to rent it. Sure. Um we're just making up numbers here. But uh, pause the episode, go watch that film, come back, listen to the review. We'll definitely have a spoiler section at the end of this because it'll be yeah. necessary. Um, and then you can go watch Happy Death Day to you, maybe, if it's worth it, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. But that's that. But here we go. Here is the trailer for Happy Death Day to you. Dude. Oh. I am tripping right now. I feel like I've totally lived through this day already. Deja vu? Yes. The day reset when you died, right? Yeah. I might be able to help with that. I died 11 times. I was stuck reliving the same day over and over again until someone wearing a baby mask murdered me on the night of my birthday. Turns out it was my roommate, Lori. I kicked her crazy ass out a window and killed her, which broke the loop. But now I'm living the better version of my life. No. Oh, hey, you're up. I folded your pants for you. No way. No, did you hear that or what? I don't believe this. It's Monday the 18th again. Go. Stop go, global warming. Go. Go. I thought it ended the loop, but I'm back. Oh my god. Everything's different this time. 
It's coming after all of us. If you don't reset the day and try again, they're dead for good, aren't they? So I'm gonna have to die over and over again to save all of you. I mean, I guess you could just reset the day yourself. Genius idea. Okay, let's do this. If I don't stop the killer, more people will die. Failure is not an option. I'm literally dying to figure this out. Okay, you're up. I'm so done. I am on borrowed time here. Alright, let's see what you got. We're in crisis mode, Tree. Who's gonna pledge Kappa now that we have a death curse? Alright, so that was the trailer for Happy Death Day to You. Essentially, um, in this story, in the previous film, uh, the, our main character of Tree got stuck in this time loop in which she had to figure out who was murdering her and uh, stop it from happening, and then it broke the loop and she was able to return to the normal world and start the day after the previous film. Um, unfortunately, somebody in this story uh, has triggered the events all over again and she wakes up back in the time loop, except for this time she knows what has happened to her. And she uh, kind of rallies the troops and tries to get the entire group of people to figure out what's going on and figure out how to stop whatever has caused the time loop again and get out of it for a second time. <laughs> um, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Happy Death Day to you? Yeah, so I thought this was an appropriately silly sequel to the original. Um, it, I, I would think it's clever to say that it Back to the Future to the original, except they like say that in the movie also. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I... I I don't like the fact that they're trying to reference specifically Back to the Future 2. Simply for the fact that the way they do it is to go, haven't you seen Back to the Future 2? And she's like, no. And they're like, you don't know Back to the Future But she Why does that in the first movie about Groundhog Day, too. Yeah, At yeah, the but, end of it, she's but, like, no, I haven't seen it. But what I'm saying is, why wouldn't you just say, haven't you seen Back to the Future? Like, <laughs> like I, I, I Because feel, 2 is where there's the parallel dimension. I, sort of. Technically, it's the same dimension, but like... No, because there's the parallel dimension future where Biff is like the is Donald Trump. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. But I think I think the thing that they're worried about is not the future, but the part where he comes back and reinserts himself. In there's the first multiple film. versions of himself. Yeah, yeah. right. So I, but but and, I just, and that is true for the character of Ryan, just not for anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I just feel like within the context of the story specifically calling out one little tiny bit which is not the main thrust of back to the future 2 seemed insane especially if like I, I, it, sure anyways. within the context of the story but i like this movie did that in the sense that it and maybe the trailer told me this already and i just forgot because when i saw the trailer i hadn't watched the first movie yet so i didn't care yet um but when i realized that we were going to relive that day again and the shots were still going to be remade, like, exactly like the original, I was happy from that, right? In the yeah. way that Back to the Future 2 made me happy when I realized, oh, we're going back to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I think, like, yeah, th this movie's silly as fuck, obviously. Like, it veers way harder into the quantum bits. Like, the first one had quantum mechanics as, like, a, like, 
like she's in a quantum mechanics class, right? The professor that she's cheating with is a quantum mechanics professor who also works at a hospital, which I don't know how science works in this <laughs> um, university. Clearly his job as a quantum state of being both a doctor yep. and a scientist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, like that movie was playing with this stuff, but this movie is just veering fully into the weird science of it, of like, yeah. you know, we're going to have college kids who they solved quantum entanglement and they created a time loop and now they're going to have to fix it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was funny. It gave Tree more room to be like endearing in different ways. Um, some of the, the jealousy bits were like, uh, whatever they they were silly but i still i had fun watching little montages of her like trying to solve problems and also trying to get back at certain people who may or may not be revealed in the trailer um i thought it was like a good way to revisit different characters and put a new spin on them like there are people that we've met in the first movie who are different in the second movie who you would think would have been like no longer a part of the equation but they get to be yeah. um and i, I like that fine uh, and I think the one thing, like, in general, this is a lesser version of the original, I think. Like, you know, you can't do the exact same trick twice. But I think this does the mother angle better than the original. It really minds the the question of what would you do if you had a chance to change the past, right? How How do you let go of certain people? What are your emotions there? What does it mean to say goodbye? I think, like, Given how silly most of this movie is, I was surprised at how well it landed, though, still. Yeah. Um, and again, like the original, it was like a tight, I don't know, 90 minutes in the in the movie theater, like in and out before I could possibly get bored by it. And I, I liked it. Like I, It's one of those movies where I have this weird combination where on the one hand, I, like, I had a ton of fun. And on the other, the mental footprint was like zero for it. Yeah. But I had a big grin on my face and I would watch the third movie in a heartbeat. So yeah, I, I had fun with it. Yeah, I, I really love this film. Um, I, I think that if you take away the stupid explanation for things, like they, they literally like deus ex machina, <laughs> like the whole reason for the time loop. But if you take away from that, like there is a narrative conceit that is like, well, what if like it was just some, some stuff, right? Um, but what they did with the world that is in the loop so much makes up for the stupid explanation that I completely forgive that. Like, it, it's it's just one of those things where this film masterfully sets itself up to be just the exact same thing and then slowly lets you be slightly creeped out or excited about the potential changes in the universe that she's currently existing in. And they do sort of set up a situation where, like, they explain it one way for one person, and then because they wanted a story not to go that way for the second person, they're just like, well, maybe you got, like, pushed into another dimension, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that sort of annoyed me that they kind of hand-waved away, away, like... But that's, like, the brand of the movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's just one of those things where, like, the motivation of the one character who is related to the creation of the time loop is completely different than her motivation because he's not trying to stop from being killed by like a crazed person. He's trying to be stopped by a different person. Like mm. it, it's yeah, they the, take it out. Yeah. The, the exp explanations are so wildly different that like when the time resets, your immediate reaction is like, Oh, that shot in the trailer where somebody's pulling off a mask. I know what that's going to be. And they're like, no, we don't want to do that. So we're going to mm. just like hand wave away the possibility of that actually happening and then do a separate story. That's not related to the one that we just started. Like they could have, they could have skipped um, Ryan having one day of loop. Mm -hmm. 
and then having the attempt to stop that from happening again caused the secondary loop and just had the, the loop start. And she could have been present for him getting the phone call. And like you, you could have done it in a way where you don't have to set up a completely secondary thing and then revert back to the first thing. Mm-hmm. I, like, so that, that sort of, Sure. I, I thought it was a funny fake out, so I, I was fine with it for that reason. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that the the rest of the film is just like it, it's it's a really smart film. Like just the way it plays with like taking the conceit of the first film and just heightening every aspect about it, like heightening the emotional stakes, heightening the actual physical stakes, creating conditions that like heightening the deaths. Yeah, heightening, heightening the deaths. And that's the thing too is I, I think I think you're right. This film, by its sheer nature, is a little bit less than the first film because in the mm-hmm. first film um i think the first film even maybe relates a little bit more to russian doll than the other one in in that like in russian doll she's continually dying no matter how much she tries to avoid it right yeah. and in the first film there is a murderer trying to kill her so if she avoids one potential death that person's still trying to find her and so she can't just be like oh well so he killed me in the library so i just don't go to the library right it, it's no if you're not in the library, he's going to find where you are. Mm-hmm. So in this film, it takes away the scare factor of suddenly being killed out of nowhere and replaces it with, okay, well, I've done something to accomplish something today. Let me artificially kill and reset myself. And I really thought that added an interesting stake to the film where it's like in the first film, she was trying to survive as long as she could because if she died, she would reset in this film, she has to make sure she dies before a certain point because there is a hard stop where if she hasn't reset herself, everything's permanent. <laughs> and I, I think that that's... So that's one thing I don't get. How, if everything is permanent, what is she trying to do? Because for the bulk of this movie, and we'll get into it in spoilers, she wants that to be what happens, right? Yes. Well, yeah. So there must be some instability that she believes is still going to be there no matter what. Well, she wants to... So she... she. Sorry, let me rephrase that. If she doesn't reset it, then any action she's not happy with at that moment in time will become permanent. Right. So in theory, she could just persist, but anything that has happened that is a negative, she is technically responsible for. So she she ends up in situations where she's going to have to die so that she can try something again. Um, yeah, so there, there's... It's a little... It's, it's diverting a little bit from the first film, but I think mm-hmm. it does really interesting things and it sets up stakes in an interesting thing where, like, you can do everything right and everything can be perfect, but if one little thing went wrong that you need to change... Um, and I think as the film progresses the necessity to reset becomes more and more obvious. Yeah. Because outside forces begin to act on the scenes that, like, will put a, a finite time on mm-hmm. on how long she has before she has to reset things. But, I don't know, I, I just really thought that uh, that they did a really interesting thing with where they were going. I think the tease for any possible future films is a little bit silly. Um, sure, yeah, that was, yeah. that was very, like, 22 Jump Street. That was, yeah, that was yeah. all goofy as fuck. That felt like one of those, like... We are teasing the thing that we're not going to make because yep. we're not going to make it. And we wanted to at least seed in your brain some weird future in which something is happening. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I just think that the, the film takes us on a ride that is really exciting and just proves that like this film and this franchise is really cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think one thing that I like, and I get that this is obvious, but they 
like they got all of the relevant cast members back again to look exactly like they did in the first one. I, I like that trick. Yeah. Like I enjoy that they can do that. There's something fun about that. I also like the the first movie definitely had a lot of like dark comedy in it because again it was it was finding humor in this character being murdered a yeah. bunch of different ways. This one I think takes that up a notch by finding comedy in her committing suicide in a million ways. Yeah. And there's like a very 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 like bleak montage where like th- there's a scene where she just like is standing in a supermarket aisle chugging Drano yeah. and like I laughed my ass like I-, I thought that was so funny that they went there. Yeah, yeah. And I-, I get that maybe it could whatever be offensive or harmful to people. I I understand that this is movie is like being very very silly with it, but yeah. I appreciate what they're doing with like Taking taking a very dark subject and turning it into like a funny thing. Yeah, uh, I I thought that was enjoyable. I, I will say the only thing that I and it's not even really a complaint. It's just the thing that made me sad is in any situation like this, I really enjoy the person trying to convince other people they're not crazy, and like in the they first, shortcut that in this one. Well, yeah, in in the first film, it was like car alarm. Guy falls asleep. It's like she can mm-hmm. – it, it, obviously, that was stolen completely from Groundhog Day. Sure. But like it's one of those things where it's like showing that you have foreknowledge of what is about to happen is a proof that you are from that future, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in this film, she's like, wait, I know what's happening. This happened. And they do the Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse thing where yeah. she's like, let's do this again. And then recounts the entire first film. And then everybody's like, sounds legit. Let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that that is one aspect of the first movie too. Is what makes um Carter like the boy that she wakes up yeah. uh, in his dorm. What makes him be the clear nice guy, the special one, is he always takes her at face value when she tells him the story. Like, there's never a moment of for longer than a few seconds him being like, "You're lying to me." He's just like. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Seems I, legit. Yep. How else would this attractive woman end up in my bed? In my <laughs> exactly. Room? And I think all of, all of his friends are similar where they're all just very um I, I, they just believe her right away. They're just like, "Yep, that checks out." <laughs> no use wasting time disbelieving this. And at least for the friends, due to the nature of their area of studies in school, mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, that explains all this weird data we had printed out of our machine last night at midnight. Yeah. Right? So so at least there's a fun explanation for, like, why the other people would just jump on board. But, yeah, I just felt like there was some level of, like, just, like, you. I, I would even be fine if uh, the 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 one guy um, uh, that, that works in the lab with, with Ryan. Samosa? Yeah. Yeah. If he would have been, like, if there would have been, like, after she explained the situation, if there would have just been, like, a long pause and he would have been, like, it checks out. Like, that would have been enough yeah. for me to know that the characters acknowledge that it's crazy, right? Like, I, I, I need, they could have got away with just, like, one line of dialogue like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed how credulous they were. I, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Cool. Uh, should we work away towards spoilers? Sure. All right. We're going to get to verdicts. Close out the episode and come back for spoilers. But for right now, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm going to recommend with a caveat. I I think this is a fun movie. Anyone should have a pretty good time watching it, especially if you saw the first one. If you like silly time travel things like Project Almanac or obviously the actual great classics of the genre, I, I think you're going to have a fun time re-exploring this territory. Caveat being that I do think this is like a lesser film than the original, and obviously it isn't reaching for height height heights. Like 
certain montages involving skydiving and stuff are very, very, very B-movie in a way that is enjoyable, but also, like, not not great either. So, like, you need to just be in the mindset to have, like, a silly movie that you're going to watch for a while. And in that mindset, I think this movie delivers on all counts. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a record with a caveat as well. Um, it, this is a really fun film. And I, I'd almost go as far as to say the only caveat is if you haven't seen the first one, mm. <laughs> then maybe you shouldn't see this film yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really, really fun. It does some really smart things. It does some really dumb things too. But the smart things and the emotion, like honest to God, emotional moments that this film can pull off are worth the price of admission. Um, it's worth seeing. Watch them as a double feature when they come out uh, on VOD or if you have the time. Watch the first one on VOD and then go check out the other one in theaters. Um, if you have like AMC A list or something like that, there's no reason why you shouldn't be seeing this film. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, so that is the main part of the review. Let's close up the episode now. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you, where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If uh, you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. Um, if you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to... Happy Death Day to you. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the review. Um, music is going to fade up. And when that music fades down, we will be in spoiler territory, full-blown spoilers for Happy Death Day to you and Happy Death Day for that matter. Um, so get ready. We will be back in just a moment. All right, we are back. This is spoiler territory for our review of Happy Death Day to You. We're going to be talking full-blown spoilers for that film and probably, consequently, spoilers for Happy Death Day. Um, So get ready. Here it comes. Careful. Spoilers inbound now. Um, So let's talk about the, the Ryan's loop before we get into the rest of the film. Sure. So Ryan gets murdered. Uh, once he tells Tree what's going on, uh, Tree shows up and kind of helps him to not get murdered. But we discover that Mer- Ryan is being murdered by Ryan from the alternate timeline, pulling a film that I'm not going to mention because that film was really fucking good. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil that one because it's worth watching. Yeah. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But essentially he is like, oh... By going back in time, I've created a double. I need to kill myself both to fix the timeline I'm in, but also to stop myself from running the machine that caused the loop in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but the crazy thing is technically in that... No, no, no. It's it, Yeah, yeah it's, they start at that machine. Yeah, yeah. But his attempt was to kill himself mm-hmm. so that he didn't set the device, which wouldn't have prevented him from... That setting off of the device actually sends Tree back on her loop. Yeah. So he was just trying to accidentally stop her from going back in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. not actually prevent himself from going back in time. But anyway, so we established that, hey, you can – this device that I've created sends me back in time, and I need to correct the problem by killing myself. That was the way he was going to close yeah. his loop. So I think in his timeline, there are two of him, 
And one of him, after he gets murdered, could continue in perpetuity. And we are following the other timeline of the one who goes backward in the loop when they're murdered. Right? I no, don't know I, how time works in this universe. I think... I think he thinks he has a loop. So tries to fuck with his machine, which creates the loop that he's on. And that the second time he goes through, he realizes what he did and decides to kill himself, mm-hmm. which successfully stops the dead. <laughs> I mean, with, with, with both of these movies, the idea of you closing a loop when you die and waking up again in the morning, like th- th- there has to be more to the universe that we just don't understand yeah. about how the quantum works. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that's the thing is, is he tries to kill himself to prevent himself from sending him back, but the killing himself... He doesn't know that the death is controls the loop. So when he kills himself, instead of it accomplishing the closing of the loop, see, so it actually just, resets the loop. He's All bad right. at it. It's technically logically consistent. Okay, great. Um, but fake out. That's not what the story is about. <laughs> the story is really about on his second time through the loop, he tells Tree that he's having deja vu. Or he goes, you know that thing where you think you've lived to something again? And she's like, deja vu? Yeah, that. Um, and it turns into her trying to control things. They realize that it's his device called Sissy. Yeah, something like, something like that. Yes, Sissy, I think. Yeah, I think, I it's think Sissy. that's right. It's, not, it's something like Sissy. Um, basically, he has a quantum, quantum reactor, mm-hmm. which causes the loop. He's trying to stop it, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, then we, get, we, then we join Tree back on her dimension, and we get our first clue that something is wrong when, he discover, or when she discovers that her boyfriend Carter is actually dating the other chick from the sorority. Yeah. Boom, mind blown. How awesome was that moment? I like it. I, I yeah, yeah. I I think I think just the the slow reveal, it could have been like the school is called something different and like everything could have been totally wild and different. I mean it is a little weird and shady why she was in his room in the first place still. Like, yep. th- like all all of it is weird because the whole idea of, like, the nice guy being the one who, oh, you were too drunk, so I just took off your jeans and folded them for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's going to be weird no matter what the situation is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of problems, but they tried to they, – they wanted you to think we were on the same track and throw you off your game to let you know that, like, hey, you think you know where you are. But everything's a little bit different. I, I love, by the way, in all of these universes that a person changes their ringtone on their birthday and everyone knows that. So they just hear the ringtone and they're like, oh, I didn't know it was your birthday today. Well, Steven, let me push back on Wait, you a little real? bit. This is real. Am I the only one who doesn't do this? No, no, no. no. This, this, my, my explanation is, is contextually you're wrong about what's happening. She only talks to her father on the anniversary of his of, of her mother's birthday which was her birthday so she has set that as the ringtone for the father and the only time it ever rings is on her birthday mm-hmm. so that's why it happens to line up yeah but why does carter know that every time it rings because he'll say like oh i didn't know it was your birthday like from the ringtone but the ringtone is it's your birthday <laughs> but if my if my ringtone said like have a holly jolly christmas you're gonna be like i don't know it's christmas Exactly. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be like, wait, but it's not Christmas. Like, I, I just think that like, if you heard somebody, you, you would have the exact thought process you just did. But, but instead of saying like, I didn't know it was your birthday, you'd say, 
Is it? Is it your? Do you just change okay, your ringtone for your if, birthday? If instead of just knockoff song, it was in the club, I would never assume it was a person's birthday because I've started playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that's that's neither here nor there. Mm. <laughs> that's in the club. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but anyways, I just thought that was a really really interesting way to to reveal that something is wrong. Like lots of films would have like that. Sounds right, which they do use. They use like the the chime sound from Back to the Future, like when everybody's like, whenever somebody's like, oh, Wayne and Garth just like panning by, <laughs> waving their fingers. Dreams came, <laughs> um, but but yeah, like so so they they do do some audio cues, but that's only after they've had the Back to the Future conversation where they kind of throw in the little Back to the Future thinking chime. Um, but I think for the most part, it was really it was really interesting to go like, oh shit, things are different now. This opens us up to a whole world of possibilities as far as what's going on. And I think that that leads us to the moment where she finds out that her mother is alive in that dimension, which is, is like, it's a, it's a pretty big, like, gut moment, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I, sure. I, 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 I really like you, that You moment. can see it coming, but that doesn't negate the, like, good gut of it. Like, yeah, it, it, it's cool. And it is appropriately heartwarming and disconcerting at the same time because that the same thing that Carter tries to convince her of that – this isn't r- really your mom because this is an alternate yeah. life that you haven't lived. Like you feel that immediately, I think, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think for sure. I mean, I mean, you feel it more when the character outright says it and is like, mm-hmm. "Look, that's." I mean, I, the, what the film doesn't address, address is that if things really happen the way we're sort of thinking they did, if that explanation of somebody else being pushed out of this dimension somewhere else is true. She didn't just appear in this timeline. She didn't just like appear in the body of herself. She knocked that other version of herself somewhere else. Mm-hmm. She kicked that person out. It's it's not That's just the that, third movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not just that things are different now. It's that she's literally taking the life of another person. Yeah, and, um, and I don't I don't know if you have an answer to this, like, I don't know how actively you thought about the way time travel works in this movie. I'm going to say actively. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know the, me. At or the something. end of this movie, when she has returned to her own dimension, has that restored the other dimension too? Or is that dimension's mother now suddenly daughterless because her daughter disappeared in a quantum boom? So in theory, Given that they were like quote unquote finding algorithms, one reset, one closes the loop and one resets the timeline. I think that that resetting action mm-hmm. in their universe, not that it's explained well enough, but would completely undo what had happened. Yeah. Um, I don't have an explanation for how it would do that, but given the way they explain it, they found all these weird simulations. Um, you know, they they crush a Red Bull. And Dev Patel <laughs> types this thing, it goes 99% complete, and then boom, their algorithm is good. <laughs> One thing, so I, I would never actually nitpick on these grounds, but it is heavily implied that because her mother is still alive, her lifestyle is different than it had been in the original movie, right? Like, she's not an asshole to her roommate in this one. They have, like, a pretty good relationship, which is why her roommate isn't trying to murder her. She never hooked up with the doctor guy in this movie because, again, like I think it's implied that the loss of her mother kind of like sent her down the spiral where uh, she was doing self-destructive things. I feel like that's some subtext of the movie. But she was still drinking heavily enough that she woke up in the exact same way in this guy's apartment. So it, it is funny how like certain things are identical and then other things are wildly different because the mother's around. 
But but I think that there things are different. Not all of them relate to the non-death of the mother. I mm-hmm. think it's just that one of the things that is also different. Some might relate to her personality, but like her mother had nothing to do with why the other girl was a bitch, right? Sure. Yeah. That's so I, true. so I think that like there are things that are just different. Like um in the other dimension there's no way Carter would fall for the the one sorority sister, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think that like some things are just different, some things are actually like a cascading effect from the fact that the mother did not die. Yeah. So, so I do think this allows for some like real emotional moments. For instance, saying there's the moment where she gets the chance as Carter tells her to say goodbye like the chance that you don't normally have. Yeah. I think that is like a great emotional scene in the movie. And again, you see it coming a mile away, but I was still feeling feels from it regardless. It, yeah. I don't want to spoil another movie, but some about time vibes in there. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I also think the, the way this handled her former roommate where they let, they leave room for in her universe, her roommate is a murdering psychopath. And yet in this alternate dimension, she feels compassion for her and wishes things could have happened differently, and she's, like, trying to save her and is even apologizing for the fact that in the other dimension she has to kill her because she's a murdering crazy person. Well, I, don't, I don't think she said she had to kill her, right? She doesn't tell her that she murders her. She just, No, like, no, I, I, I mean, that, that's, like, the subtext of, like, the degree to which she's saying goodbye and sorry when she's, like, leaving in the end, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was, like, pretty interesting. Like, that, that's a cool idea, right, of, like the wacky cartoon villain in the first movie becomes like a person who's also informed by random college emotions and stuff, just like she was. Yeah. But I, but I think even that character is still, she still has those same emotions. They're just misguided and, mm-hmm. and directed at other people. Like she still is in love with this doctor um, slash teacher <laughs> slash assassin. Right. But in this dimension, <laughs> she would never dream of murdering a tree. Right. Yeah. But she might dream of murdering the wife. Mm. Um, or maybe the doctor himself. Like, I think there is still something that is there. And also I think that like, I think in that film, in the first film, eh, she does have a poison cupcake. Yeah. I was going to say like the, it's sort of a crime of opportunity with releasing the, the suspect. In no, the, it, but, but yeah, it, the it's, first it's, film it's, also has flashbacks where some of the times the baby faces her, not the psychopath. True. True. Um, but yeah. It's been it's it's been longer since I have seen the first film than since you. Well, well, like the first movie, the the most glaring example is the night when she boards herself in her room and never leaves it, and yet Babyface is in the closet. I still don't really know how time wise that can work, but I guess her roommate just like hid out in the closet all night in the Babyface and then came at the end. Yeah, she has a secret entrance in the in the closet. Yeah, (laughs) but it it was fun. It's fun world. The, The DARPA ending. Whatever. I don't know. Don't Didn't care that much. I was DARPA funded. They didn't send me there. Well, you didn't make a quantum uh, reactor that could stop time. So what they're trying to do is stop time for particles within the sphere? God, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they said it was like it had to do with super... What's funny is they straight up like stole Primer, yeah. right? Because in Primer, they were trying to invent like a new refrigerator technology that used like Freon to like freeze a thing. Mm-hmm. And then they accidentally found like a loop that the object existed in while the device was active. And then they were like, well, we could build a bigger one and get inside of it. Something like that. Um, 
if you haven't seen Primer, go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this film, it's basically that, right? Like, we're going to use this thing. We're going to super cool it with lasers once it reaches, like, zero. In Primer, weren't they trying to, like, reduce the mass of a thing or something? I, I, I just remember they were talking about Freon tubes, and I just assumed it was, like, a freezer. <laughs> they were trying to make, like, a smaller freezer. Yeah. I don't know. I saw that early college. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I just it, – it's – it's just funny to me, like, this device makes no freaking sense, like, what their project is. Yeah, it was very silly. But, like, Project Almanac, it doesn't even try to make sense. Like, it, but it, it, but it's, it's, like, steering into the idea that it's, like, a completely zany idea. But in Project Almanac, one of the things I love about that film is that, like, the whole – this isn't kids inventing a time machine. These are kids watching videos of themselves seeing what looks like themselves – older in the video when they were younger and then be like what there Mm. must be a time machine and then like finding the time machine that was left for them by their father right like that's just a fun like the thing like being spurred on to the idea of time travel by seeing the remnants of a time travel person is just a cool thing yeah the dean character was kind of fun i like I, i like that even her terrible sorority boss gets to have like at least one or two funny scenes where she's kind of the hero of the movie. I, I'm not, it, it, like, it, it felt very, like, I don't want to say American Pie. Like, I can't think of good college comedies where, like, every side character gets their moment. But this kind of felt like that to me. Well, I, I, I do love the idea of, like, how can we make her as douchey as possible? Which is, like, say she's trying to become an actress and trying to do this role. And then bring that back as the solution. Because we find out that I mean, she, she plays a mean Anne Frank. <laughs> but like what i think is so great about that scene is tree picks up the phone she's like i know how to how to solve this problem and you assume that because we the audience know that she's cheating on carter that this is a blackmail moment where she's like you'll have to do whatever i say and like i, I, I at least i just thought that was like a a, a callback to like she has leverage over this uh this person like oh, i don't remember the girl's name um danielle danielle We'll call it Danielle. Um, but like she has she has uh, basically leverage in the form of blackmail on Danielle. Um, and that's kind of where I thought that was going. But the idea that like, oh, she fancies herself an actress. Here's the perfect role. Pretend to be this blind French girl. <laughs> like I just loved that being the callback instead of it being the cheating. And then just how like how bad she is, but how much this uh, – Professor guy like buy like totally buys it hook line and sinker yeah. and like the things of just her messing up the scene and running to another location and him just being okay with it. But well, I, I just thought it was a really really fun ride. Did you know the the actor uh, who plays the dean Steve Zissis? He was in Her, and his character name in Her is New Sweet Boyfriend of Mother Who Dated Pricks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm. Uh, but yeah, any, any last thoughts about this film? Not really. I feel I feel good about it. I'm gl- this is like a classic like February movie, like a movie that comes out early in the year. It isn't doing anything insane or yeah. you know incredible, but it, it like knows that it's gonna be that kind of movie, and it just delivers a good time. I like this is why I love that we don't pause the podcast for two months. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I will say too. Like one, I think I think I remember the thing I was trying to say earlier, which is. I actually kind of liked the idea. Like, you, you watch a film, 
And in every film, there's going to be a love interest. Love's going to spark out of nothing. And like, you're going to watch a 90 minute to, you know, two hour movie uh, where you're, you're, you're like taking the relationship as a shortcut. And I think that in the first film, like their love is sort of like that, right? You just take for granted that it's a shortcut. But in this film, I kind of liked her definition of like, hey, I literally died over and over and over and you were my boyfriend. And like for you, it was one day. And for me, it was day after day after day where yeah. I was dying at the end of it. I actually really liked that That's idea. A lot of, of emotional like, labor. Yeah, yeah. Like like I, I totally was like, you know what? Yeah, you would love him after that. Like yeah. I, I was I, I thought it was a cool touch that like it wasn't just her, should I have my mom back or should I date you? It was like, oh no, like you've already accepted your mother's passing, and now your choice is to bring her back. To a world where she doesn't rem- – like, you don't have those memories that she has because you weren't there for them. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that everything has changed from the moment she died till now. It's your whole life is slightly different. Yeah. And when she has – like, that, that first moment where she hears a tale that she can't remember, it's really like a, a little bit of a gut pump or punch where she's like, I'm not just picking up where I left – I lost my mom. I'm picking up – someone else's mom that looks and sounds like mine mm-hmm. who will always have these memories of things that I don't have the memories of. And she's kind of like, should I take this false mom um, or should I go back to this love of where I died 11 times and he was there trying to help me through it? And I, I, I just thought it was it was an interesting way to bring that up and kind of balance out that perspective of, which land she was gonna land in yeah so no i i agree i think that was a good a good way to do it i also think they they play it well where because at first also the the thing that you mentioned of she doesn't really know this carter guy right like i get why she falls for him in the first movie because he she sees that he has the capacity within himself to sacrifice his life to save her and that means it speaks to his character in a way that she is now in love with him, you know? So so that's so cool. But I totally believe at the beginning of this movie that the moment she's confronted with the choice of, do you want your mom to be alive or do you want the guy that you've actually only known for a day to be your boyfriend? Yeah. The guy who takes your pants off while you're passed yeah. out. <laughs> like, of course she chooses her mom. She can just, like, woo that guy again if she has to, right? Yeah. Like, there are plenty of more than hints in this movie that he has the capacity to fall in love with her in this dimension too, not just the other one. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the evolution of her like feeling that way and then going back and, and like there's statements that make it seem like she's going back because she's taking a chance on love. You know, that's what her mom describes it as. But I don't think that's really the thrust of the movie. What she's doing is like taking the life that defined her and being like, okay, I'm going to live that life because that's who I am. Yeah. Instead like of I- living this alternate life that is not who I am anymore. I mean, she already says that she found the better version of her life. Like mm-hmm. she, she, she landed in something that not only feels like her, but is the her she wants to be. Um, and then her other option would be to take this other bizarro world, which isn't who she is, but represents something she thought she lost. Cool. Well, I think that'll about do it for our review of Happy Death Day to you. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. We're going to take off and record you a review of Russian Doll.